It's your girl, Marisa, and you are listening to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. What's up, Heard That Nation? Y'all have asked, and you've asked, and you've asked, and it's finally open. The Heard That With Marisa online store at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I got the merch. Finally happened. Swaggy tees, amazing hats, other kinds of different merchandise that I got on there. Check it out today. Thank you for supporting your girl. Uh, Fill up a shopping bag with all kinds of stuff. Give away as gifts or keep it for yourself. All kinds of amazing swag and merchandise. Check it out today. Heard that with Marisa.com. I appreciate your support. One of the amazing things that I love to do with my time, I love working out and serving in the community. And through that time, I have met some amazing people and I have met some extraordinary kids. And the one thing, believe it or not, that kids love and ask for is books. Because many of them I found that they, they absolutely love reading, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I am so proud that I've met an incredible man uh, by the name of Trevor Romaine, and he is an author. He's an illustrator that has the most amazing, amazing literature for kids and for educators and for teachers, as well as parents. You have to check out his books. You have to check out his digital downloads. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. If you go to TrevorRomain.com, uh, T-R-E-V-O-R-R-O-M-A-I-N, no E at the end.com. Check out all of his materials that he has, all his books, all his literature and digital downloads. You can save 15%. All heard that listeners. If you check it out, save 15% at the end of your checkout. Use the code heard that H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T and save 15%. You, I'm telling you what, it is some of the best materials out there that can help children and families become happier, healthier, and more confident. So use the code heard that save 15% off at trevorromaine.com today. What's up, heard that nation listening in the United States and around the world. You are listening now to the heard that with Marisa Tigney podcast. If you're watching right now on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. So you stay in the know of all future episodes and guests that I have on the show, including this guy right here, which I'm so honored to have on Kyle McMahon. He is a singer. He's a songwriter. I mean, pretty much I'm waiting for him to just fly because he can do everything. He's a contributor, he's been a contributor for the, for the Huffington Post, and he has an incredible show that he does weekly called Pop Culture Weekly with Kyle McMahon. 
Uh, I am so thrilled to have him on the podcast today. Kyle, welcome to the Heard That Podcast. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. Okay, first of all, I have to just, I, I, I am so, you said, I said singer and songwriter, but I did not realize you have amazing vocals, sir. I'm uh, waiting for you to like put out some new tracks. I'm waiting for you to go on <laughs> tour. I mean, I know that you did uh, go on a tour for some few years back and correct me if I'm wrong, what LFO, uh, mm-hmm. who I absolutely love because I love me some boy bands. Um, <laughs> How did you get, what has been your, like your music inspirations and how did you like, okay, I can kind of, you know, I got this singing thing. So I'm just going to kind of, you know, go with that. I mean, how did you get started with that? Well, so my parents, uh, especially my mom was always interested in, um, music, always had music playing around the house. Mm-hmm. You know, my house was always filled with, uh, all kind everything, Motown, disco, pop, you know, all kinds of music. And so I grew up with that. And then I was always writing, um, I guess you could say poems. And then as I kind of in grade school, uh, you know, my parents put me in, you know, guitar lessons and piano lessons and all that kind of thing as I was interested in it. And uh, just started turning these poems into songs. And then it just went from there. And a friend of mine, Janice Robinson, was a uh, or is a a songwriter and singer and performer and she uh, was signed with Warner Brothers and so I went to see her and uh and she I brought like you know uh, I had recorded it on like a recorder um you know like a handheld recorder some of these songs or whatever and her rep happened to be there and so it just went from there and I got a um a uh, uh deal i forget the the deal the type of deal um right now but it, i got a d- did a deal with um warner and so uh development deal geez and so with that they kind of groom you into how uh you know you can get better at what you do better at your craft and that sort of thing so mm-hmm. um you know, and then it just kind of went from there. And then that led to all kinds of other things. And um, music has just been always a huge part of my life. And, uh, and I thank, you know, especially my mom for that. And it's so comforting, because I grew up in the 70s, or 70s baby. And so vinyls, and eight track cassettes and cassette tapes were like the staple pieces in my house. And you like you said, music was always playing and music definitely has throughout my life, and I'm sure that you can relate, has been such a source of healing and comfort uh, at the right time. Um, when it comes to music and comes to songs, I know, like I just mentioned, you know, LFO, what, have, what is your favorite artist? Who's been your favorite artist that you have met or you want to meet? Oh, that I've met. Um, geez, uh, I've been very lucky with you know, what I do to be able to meet many of my favorite artists. Um, one of my absolute favorites is Mike Posner, uh, who's an incredible singer songwriter. I loved um, when a, you talked to him. Yeah. He that is, is so one awesome. of my favorite episodes off of your show. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. you. He is absolutely incredible. And I love how he, um, you know, has had all these hits himself and then written all these hits for other people. And, uh, and then, you know, decides to, kind of his father passed away and and he decides you know what I'm putting all that away for a a period and I'm going to walk across 
America, you know, by foot. Mm-hmm. And so we walked from New Jersey to um, California. And so I just love that about him that, you know, he doesn't really care about that stuff. He's he's very much an artist. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Madonna is one of the biggest. I love how she has just she's just an empire and has transformed herself over and over again. Um, Eminem is is another one that I just think is incredibly talented. Kendrick Lamar is one of my absolute favorites. I mean, he's just a poet. He, God, he really his new is. album is fire. It is insane. He mm-hmm. He's just, you know, he is uh, unbelievable. So, I mean, it's it's all over. Uh, the place, you know, with with the types of music that I love. And that's a product of my upbringing. You know, I I mean, like I said, my mom would, um, you know, forever, her entire life would listen to Motown and disco and, you know, um, dance pop. And, you know, so I mean, I just grew up with all these influences and that reflects in the music that I listen to. And um, and it is I do, as you said, for you, you know, it has been very healing for me and mm-hmm. to be able to in this job that I do um to meet some of these people is is awesome because I want to know you know I have so many questions for them and and uh I want to know you know um why did you write this song or that song or or whatever you know what was what was the story behind that and um Mike Posner is you know another great example that he wrote a song that was very special to my mom and I and um and I it wasn't a single or anything so it wasn't something most people would ask him about and you know I got the opportunity to to ask him and uh and that just meant something to me so that's been a really cool kind of bonus I guess of of you know part of what I do mm-hmm. I love I love what you do because the guests that you have here in the show and then you know to go back to the one of the reason why I said Mike Posner was one of my favorite episodes because how both of you all instantly few seconds into the the conversation. I don't even call it an interview because both of you all connected immediately into that interview. And it was just like both of you all, when you were talking and, 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 you know, you get to some of the songs that he was talking about and different things that was happening in his life. To me, as sitting back there as a person that was watching it, and that's why uh, it's so important to me when I listen to podcasts and I watch, you know, lives and everything else, how the person that is doing the the leading the interview or leading the conversation with the guest, how well did they jive together? How well did they connect? And there was a connection there. And I think the connection that you both both had, I mean, I saw in the feed, in the in the comments of you know, I was like, are, is he? Have they been friends for like years? Because that's the vibe that I caught. Like they seem like do y'all have been friends since you know elementary school, and y'all just like you know, been, you know, friends and connected throughout. And as you said, music is just, is such a healer. And in you being a writer, you being a songwriter, and you wrote an incredible song that connects to, uh, in the, an episode that you were on in 2012, 2013, you can correct me on that, uh, Oprah's Masterclass. And I had talked to a couple of people, guys especially, uh, that commented and said, oh, you're talking to Kyle McMahon. That man made me ball my eyes out. Um, and you have been such a wonderful resource of healing. Uh, when you were on that segment, it was a powerful segment. I remember watching it live and then watching it again. And I'm like, okay, I see why the tears flowed the first time I saw 
you on there and you were bravely, you know, standing up in that arena of bravery and told your story and, and then watching it again. Um, I want to know from you, you were on that masterclass, you know, with Iana Van Zandt and Oprah Winfrey, uh, fatherless sons. It is hard. It is hard. And, and you made it emotions and all you made it such, I don't want to say it's such with ease. Cause I don't want to say that, that, in, in that because that's difficulty someone that experiences that kind of pain not to have you know your father in your life but how did you get involved in that and connect with that and then you know standing up in a group of of men that core audience being all men that were all you know you all were connected basically you were all were men that grew up without your fathers involved in your life how, how did that whole thing transpire that, that was, first of all, thank you. Um, th that was not only, you know, transformative for me for, um, for that aspect of my life, which was a huge aspect, but it really transformed my entire life going forward. Uh, you know, originally, Ianla was, I think the, how it happened was Ianla was setting up her show with Own. Um, Yanla fixed my life, I think mm -hmm. is, it, is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she, uh, put, they put this thing out there for fatherless sons and somebody sent it to me and, and then it went that way. And then it turned into, um, life class, which is what it, it ended up being, you know, it started out as one episode and then it turned into two and then right mm -hmm. on the spot, you know, Oprah was like, okay, we're making this three episodes. And then it, I think it was like six episodes mm -hmm. because of how um, much damage I think this does and has done to our country. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so I think Oprah and Iyanla saw the importance of that as we were doing that show. But I will say on the back end, we, it, I at first, wanted to do it. And then I'm like, Oh, wait, no, maybe I don't. Because, you know, I'm putting at that point, the hardest thing that I had ever been through, mm -hmm. something that was permeating every day through my life um, on display for, you know, arguably the biggest stage in the world, you know, yeah. you're talking Oprah. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so then I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. And then I'm like, well, you know, I would love to have Ianla help me, you know, with this. And then, um, then I'm like, well, there's other people involved too. You know, I have my mom and, uh, and my dad and I didn't really, this sounds bad, but I didn't really care about the repercussions for my father, mm -hmm. uh, because, um, you know, you kind of did this to me, you're out of my life anyway. So what, what yeah. you know, what, but with my dad, my mom and dad, um, you know, my mom was a direct uh, participant, I guess you could say in that. So then I'm like, oh, you know, this isn't just me putting out my story. It's me putting out her story, too. Mm -hmm. And so I talked to them about it. My dad was like, you know, you do whatever you feel you have to do. If you feel that this is good for you, go do it. My mom uh, ultimately said the same thing, but she wanted me to think about it for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I went back and forth and then ultimately did it. And I went out to Chicago, you know, numerous times for pre-interviews and all that to Harpo. And um, 
you know, then when it finally happens and then you see your story on this screen in front of Oprah, in front of all these men uh, who have been there themselves and in front of a Yanla and, you know, the whole production team and, um, and I'm there by myself in Chicago and, and I'm like, okay, you know, you, you have a choice. I literally thought this as that my story was playing out on the screen. Um, you have a choice, you know, you either kind of hold back and, and be afraid yeah. or you just let it out and, and see what happens, you know? And so in that kind of instant, I thought, you've had this wall up your entire life regarding this. Um, let's break down that wall and see what happens. So, mm -hmm. so that's what I did. And um, I'm glad that I did it. The repercussions were incredible personally. Uh, you know, I mean, it really did help me to heal in a lot of ways um, and lessen the power that it had over me in my life. And that's huge. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, years of therapy. Um, Thank God for therapy. Amen. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody should be should be going to a therapist. But, yeah. you know, it really was um, life changing for me. And mm -hmm. uh, years of therapy had gotten me there. But um, but that moment really put me over the edge of allow yourself to heal and feel what you're feeling and that sort of thing. And it was transformative for me. I mean, yeah. I had, uh, you know, I've struggled on and off with anxiety my entire life. And mm -hmm. um, I had, there were repercussions to that, you know, to doing Oprah. I, I had some anxiety attacks uh, for a while coming back, but that was kind of expected mm -hmm. when you have kind of just released this huge, beast off of your shoulders mm -hmm. um you know i expected all that and that's all hand handleable mm -hmm. you know able to be handled yeah however um however then i started getting i mean it was insane when the show aired i oprah like broke my phone because we live tweeted it and we were you know yeah was giving my thoughts to it and um and that sort of thing and just the um, notifications on my phone alone were just like, I had to turn it off because my phone was unusable. And I realized that there are so many people that this has affected mm -hmm. that we would never know, you know? I mean, we know- Because we bury, we suppress it down so deep because I'm a daddyless daughter. So everything that you were saying in that moment in the arena and telling your story, I was like, Ooh, I mean, I did. I, I, when I was listening to you that night, I couldn't even say a word. I just took a breath. I just took a breath. I'm like, man, he is, he went for it and he released his story. And I'm looking around at the audience and I'm looking at these fathers and some of them nearby you. I don't know if you caught that on the replay when you, you know, were, you were watching it that night and it, you know, over and over again, they were weeping. Mm -hmm. listening to you tell your story and saying that you are going to become the best man that you can be. Cause Yama had to correct your verbiage saying you're going to be the best man that you can be. And I mean, just, I, 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 you don't realize how much that pain is just deep down until you 
finally let it out. Was that for you? Like you just didn't realize like, okay, I'm going to go through life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to, you know, go to school or have a career and everything else. But did you realize at that moment, you know, once you release it, you're like, oh, wow. I didn't realize I had suppressed all of this deep down. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. You know, you, I at least had always known how much it affected me and how much it hurt me and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize the charge behind it, the emotional charge, and just how much I had been holding on to that pain. Mm -hmm. And so that was my chance to, to let it go. And, and I took it, you know, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, but, but that was huge for me to see how many people I, to this day, I mean, it's crazy to this day, people will still, um, email me or message me on social or whatever, and be like, Oh, I I caught a rerun or I saw it on YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and I felt the same way or this or that. And I'm just like, you know, seven, eight years later or whatever, people are still seeing this and responding to it. And that, uh, makes me happy that one, I did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because ultimately, you know, I realized from that, that the power of telling your story can change the world. And, yeah. and if we all, ha- you know, give ourselves the power to, to really tell our stories, I mean, imagine all of the, you know, fighting that that would uh, cease and, you know, arguments that would not be relevant anymore. And that sort of thing, if we all really just sat down and listened to each other, tell our stories, why I am the way that I am. Why are you the way that you are, you know, who hurt you and yeah. what hurt you. And, um, and so that was a pivotal thing for me too, in realizing the power of telling your story, which became important later on. in you know, yeah. what I do now. Cause I know that your story has, as you just said, you know, resonated with so many people and connected with so many people. And still to this day, because I can't believe next year is 10 years is it since it was crazy. aired. Yeah, May 2013 Jeez. is when it aired. And Holy it was the crap. first like that. So yeah, so throughout that, that whole span of years, Kyle, your story has resonated with so many people and so many men. And, I'm, you know, like you've shared, I know that so, so many of them have you know, found some solace and some healing in that. Has there been, uh, you said you've gotten emails and, you know, calls, texting anybody, you know, through different people. Has there, is there any of them or one in particular that stands out to you that, you know, this person was like, oh my God, you literally saved my life or, you know, thank you for sharing your story. That person connected with you. Um, Just like, like you said, you had pretty much your phone blew up that night. (laughs) So, uh, you know, is there any stories that you have people that connected with you after that airing and still connect with you that you just haven't forgotten about them or you sometimes go and check on them? Uh, throughout? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's this one woman um, in particular who had reached out to me that she was afraid. Uh, she was contemplating an abortion because the father had wanted nothing to do with her and, uh, or the, the baby the child. And, um, and so she knew if she was going to have this baby, uh, that it was going to, she's going to be going it alone. Mm -hmm. And so she was terrified, you know, she didn't know, well, what happens if my son's father chooses to not be in his life? Like, am I hurting him or her? 
um, by knowingly doing this or whatever. And so right. um, she reached out on Twitter and and we brought it to, you know, phone, the phone. And um, I had many conversations with her that, you know, he or she will be okay because of your love that you're, you know, that you already have for them. And so she ended up having the baby and we had, you know, deep, very deep conversations about that. And as long as she was prepared in every other way to, right. you know, bring this life, I didn't want that to stop her from, um, from, you know, having a child. If, if her only fear was that this is going to damage him or her beyond belief, mm -hmm. um, then I don't want to do that. And I wanted her to know that, you know, look at all those men in that audience, you know, look at me. Um, I am not, um, you know, a, I was set up thankfully with, you know, my mom being such a huge influence on my life, my family, uh, that they were able to, um, uh, set me up in other ways, make sure that I had therapy when needed and that sort of thing that mm -hmm. I could still get that part out. Yeah. But still um, lead a relatively healthy, productive life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that changed her opinion a little bit that, okay, this doesn't mean my child is going to be damaged for the rest of their life and they'll never be able to get over it. This doesn't mean that they're going to, you know, automatically have mental health problems or end up in jail as many fatherless sons do and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. They don't have to be a statistic, especially if you are um, starting at the beginning with resources to make, you know, to do everything in your power that they aren't that statistic. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that, that I think was probably the biggest one, um, that really hit me because I'm like, wow, this is a choice between, you know, a life coming into this world or not. Right. And, and so that was big for me. And, and, um, and she has a healthy, happy baby boy and, uh, and, it's pretty crazy, you know, and, and I know that she has uh, set him up to have the best life that he can, mm -hmm. you know, and of course, just like any other child, a lot of the rest of that story is going to be up to him, you know what right. I mean? Um, but she has done everything in her power to set him up for that success. That's beautiful. And that she's realizing that she has a place and this purpose for her life. Uh, to be the best woman that she can be, you know, and instill all that love into her son. And, that, and that's incredible of what you're doing and what you continue to do that it's just not, you know, just the show itself, but you're taking your story and putting it into action and you helping others and you do motiva motivational speaking. If you wrote a song about it, which had me in tears. <laughs> that, I mean, the powerful song of, you know, writing a letter, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, that started for me back to that video that you released, Kyle, it started me to write into my journal again, because Good. it didn't realize, and I hated writing. I mean, I hated writing in school. I hated writing in college. And I'm like, okay, why do we have to write these thesis papers or essay papers and all this other stuff? But I didn't realize the power of writing, just like you do, you write songs, when you put in words the paper, how much of a healing that is you releasing, you know, what's going on during your day, you know, I feel great or I feel crappy or I feel, you know, this emotion or this happened to me or someone said this to me and, you know, writing it all down and just like at the end, 
you know, the sentence, you know, sincerely Marisa or love Marisa or me, I would read that and I'd be like, who girl, you had yourself a week or you had yourself an hour or a day or whatever. What do you feel that when it comes, you know, this you writing, um, and I'm sure that you journal because, you know, songwriters, most songwriters I've talked to do journal, um, that writing down stuff like that, that it just, it's just opened up so much for you. Uh, healing, um, clarity. Uh, I mean, what what are your what's what is your type take on that? I I do journal. Um, I I have periods where I am like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm gonna I where I do it for you know months and months, mm-hmm. and then I have periods where I fall off, and then I'm like, oh, I gotta you know journal tonight. You know, I can tell uh, that I need to get it out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I always get back on the wagon, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and journaling is so, for me anyway, therapeutic, it's, you know, writing songs is the same way, you know, it's the same thing, essentially, it's just, you know, for me, writing songs is journaling in, you know, um, a thing that rhymes sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. and so (laughs) it's just very therapeutic to be able to get out your thoughts and be able to look back on exactly what you were thinking later. It mm-hmm. also helps you put into perspective what's going on. You know, if I'm uh, manic and writing, you know, oh my God, I've, this week has been insane and blah, 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 blah. And then a month later, I'm like, well, yeah, it sounds like you had some stress going on with, you know, your job or your mm-hmm. relationship or whatever. But it wasn't now that I can look back a month mm-hmm. later and say, you know, well, you probably didn't need to be freaking out like you were, you know what I'm saying? It gives yeah, you perspective. Yeah. And, and I think that's so good. And another thing I think we should all be doing more of is, is that is, is journaling. I mean, it's just so powerful. I agree with you. And it's amazing looking back at some of my journals, the growth that I've had, I'm like, whoo. I tell you what, good thing you didn't let this mountain stay in your way that you decided to climb and achieve, you know, your goal and break free from whatever you were going through and you climbed to that top of that mountain. Um, And it also kind of, you know, shifted uh, my eyes and shifted my, I kind of use it like a satellite dish away from what I was thinking was the best decision for me. And it got me to you know, the path that I'm on now. And so with you journaling and songwriting and everything else, and now you are at iHeartRadio, which is absolutely incredible. And I hope everybody that's watching and listening does follow you uh, at the end. They'll let you drop all your social media handles and everything else about pop culture and everything else. How did all that transpire with you connecting with iHeartRadio and you starting your, your show and your podcast? Well, that's funny. I mean, and this all stemmed essentially from Oprah's life class. I mean, from Oprah's life class, I got invited to the um, Obama administration's My Brother's Keeper initiative, which was huge for me because that was uh, a, a initiative that looked to help fatherless, in particular, fatherless sons before they became that statistic. 
And so it was mentoring and outreach and that sort of thing, uh, you know, getting them involved in sports before they got involved in gangs or whatever it was, or getting them involved in arts before they, you know, somebody else could influence their life negatively. And, you know, I got to do so many things because of that. I started writing for um, Huffington Post at the time under Oprah's own section there. Uh, doing kind of self-improvement stuff for millennials. And I mean, it really just um, changed my life, the trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. So I started a podcast at the time called Kyle to You. And it was just uh, all kinds of things from, you know, uh, honest conversations to celebrity interviews and that sort of thing. And it did uh, pretty well. And so I was doing, you know, relatively speaking. And so I was doing... Um, uh, video interviews and stuff. And I was putting them on social and all that kind of thing. So I was getting really, it ended up helping to prepare me for what was to come. But, um, what ended up happening was a friend of mine, uh, that I had worked with professionally, um, through a business. So I, I own still technically own a marketing business and, uh, she, um, I had worked with her on a project and she was a, or is a um, on-air talent at iHeart locally to me mm -hmm. in Delaware. And so this position came up and she was like, you should do it. And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I didn't go to broadcast school. I don't like, you know, have any experience on radio or anything like that. And she's like, you know, with everything else that you're doing, like with the podcast and the videos and that sort of thing, like, I think you'd be fine. So I did. Mm -hmm. And I was hired. And then, um, then I started a big thing for me was to start this podcast called Pop Culture Weekly, which uh, was kind of an offshoot or kind of a rebranding of what I was doing before with a uh, website called Pop Culture Whore, which was celebrity news and that sort of thing. And, um, and so basically, I just turned that into Pop Culture Weekly because it was more uh, appropriate and mainstream and um and they loved the idea of it and then I started using my connections from um you know from Warner and doing the various things over the years with uh, music and all mm -hmm. to be like you know hey I have this new show at iHeart you know do you think you'd be interested in having them come on or whatever and then it just grew from there and it ended up has done really really well and it's grown and now it's you know, promoted nationally. And, uh, and it's really been huge for me. And I've gotten to interview, you know, I, I mean, um, well, who's been your favorite interviews? I want to know. I mean, bring oh, all the details. <laughs> I mean, um, geez, I, you know, I really look to, so a big thing for me is I never script my interviews. Mm -hmm. Um, one, because I'm horrendous at member remembering anything. And, uh, two, because I'm so ADD that it by the second question, if I had written it down, we're going to be on a totally different tangent. Yeah. Don't you go anywhere. The Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast will be right back after a brief pause to hear from our sponsor. One of the amazing things that I love to do with my time, I love working out and serving in the community. And through that time, I have met some amazing people and I have met some extraordinary kids. And the one thing, believe it or not, that kids love and ask for is books, because many of them I found that they, they absolutely love reading, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I am so proud that I've met an incredible man uh, by the name of Trevor Romaine, and he is an author. He's an illustrator that has 
the most amazing, amazing literature for kids and for educators and for teachers, as well as parents. You have to check out his books. You have to check out his digital downloads. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. If you go to trevorromain.com, uh, T-R-E-V-O-R-R-O-M-A-I-N, no E at the end.com, check out all of his materials that he has, all his books, all his literature and digital downloads. You can save 15%. All heard that listeners, if you check it out, save 15% at the end of your checkout. Use the code heard that, H-E-A-R-D-T-H-A-T, and save 15%. You, I'm telling you what, it is some of the best materials out there that can help children and families become happier, healthier, and more confident. So use the code heard that, save 15% off at trevorromain.com today. And welcome back to the Heard That with Marisa Tigney podcast. Anyway, so for me, that's important for me um, because uh, I enjoy the conversation more. So I really like that aspect of like, hey, what are you working on today? You know what I mean? And that's why and I like your show, because it's not in it's not interview format. It's like. It's just we're all gathered here in this room and we have some snacks on the table, got a bar back here. Let's just talk about what you got going on in your life. What's next? Where are you going? Where are you vacation at? That's what I love about the vibe of your show, because it's a just good friends that are getting together and just getting caught up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And that's exactly what my hope for it is. Mm-hmm. I'm just not the type of person to, you know, wear a suit and tie and like, you know, and and have my cards and all that. I, I, it's just not me. Yeah. And so, um, so obviously, the show is a reflection of that. And, you know, I, I just interviewed Gloria Estefan for the second time, which is like crazy to me. That's awesome. And I interviewed her the first time. And we ended up talking for like 45 minutes the first time. Um, and it, it was about her first new album in like a decade. And uh, and that was really cool. And then um, now she's in a uh, Father of the Bride with Andy Garcia coming out. Mm-hmm. And so I interviewed both of them. And she's like, hey, Kyle, how you doing? And I'm like, the Gloria Estefan just say, hey, Kyle, how you doing? Like, what is happening? What world am I Wait, living who in? who am I? <laughs> right. You met I'm me? Like, yeah. I'm like, I don't see another Kyle. Maybe she is talking to me. Um, but, you know, it's just been awesome. And and the guests have been incredible. And I think the guests appreciate that. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not looking for the gotcha stuff. I don't care. You know, my show doesn't cover, um, celebrity gossip in regards to relationships or any, I mean, like, you know, it's just not me. There's plenty of sites out there that do that. There's plenty of shows that do that. Um, and I'm sure they do it well. I just don't care about that stuff. I want to know about you and your projects and why you're doing that project. And, you know, what does Gloria Estefan do, you know, on her day off? Like, I, I want to know that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care. I don't care about anything, you know, salacious or anything. So, um, you know, I, and I've gotten to, inter- I'm, so I'm a huge Marvel Studios fan and I've now gotten to interview um, two, two Avengers. I want a third one coming up soon. And um, so like, it's just, I'm like a fanboy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm genuinely a fan of the people that I talk to. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a dream for me as that little kid that would, you know, uh, an adult really that would just float away in movies for hours and hours and hours mm-hmm. and, you know, be able to escape but movies and music were always my escape from whatever was going on. Mm-hmm. 
So to be able to talk to some of the um, creators involved with with these projects has been just a dream. So I, I, you know, every guest I've learned from, and I truly, truly mean that every guest that I've talked to, I have learned something from, and some have been, you know, like, oh, that's cool. And some have been like, wow, that's a aha moment. You know right. what I mean? Well, um, with all so, the guests, I wanted to ask you that, with the guests that you had on your show, who gave you the best advice? Hmm. Like Jeez, something that you will never forget. Like you're like, ooh, that's an amazing aha moment that I'm going to apply to my everyday life. Oh my gosh. Um, that is a really great question. I would have to say uh, either Mike Posner or or Gloria Stefan. Um, and Mike, in regards to living your life, you know, just how um, you choose to live your life and be the designer of your own life. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, that was really huge for me. And then with Gloria, I asked her what success means to her. And I tried to ask every guest that, um, you know, what is what does success mean to you? Because if I'm talking to successful people, I want to know, you know, wh what is success to you? Mm -hmm. So what what she said to me is, you know, for music, for her entertainment side of her career, she was like, that was a place in time. Um, and while I still may dabble here and there, she said, you know, um, what ultimately is success is surrounding yourself with people, good people that you love and that love you. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that to me is incredible because, you know, here's a, an icon that has sold 100 million records uh, oh, yeah. around the world, plus, you know, influenced so many artists, you know, Shakira and J-Lo and uh, uh, Mark, uh, uh, oh my God, you know, tons of artists. And, um, and to her, success is not oh, I had to hit 100 million or 50 million or whatever. Success is surrounding yourself with people that love you and you love. And that yeah. is huge to me. And it really is true. You know, it, in my opinion, it really is true that, you know, I know people that are multimillionaires that are super duper unhappy, mm -hmm. you know, and I have friends that are struggling to make rent and they're just the happiest people in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, it has nothing to do with money or job or whatever. It really is, you know, how you, what you do with what you have. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had like a sound button and drop that gem because that is so, <laughs> that is key. And once people get that, that we are all connected, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's an absolute beautiful thing to surround yourself with people that believe in you, that love you, that want the best for you, that support you. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Is there a guest that you uh, have not had on your show that you really want to uh, be a guest? Um, I want to get Mama O. I want to oh, get of Oprah. Course. Um, she is definitely on the, the bucket list, um, working on Madonna, uh, mm -hmm. that, that, uh, you know, I, I would love to have Kendrick. I, I was lucky enough to meet Kendrick. Um, and that was enough for me at the time, but now I'm like, okay, no, no, that's not enough. I need to interview. Mm -hmm. Um, be, but, uh, you know, um, 
I mean, I have a dream list, you know, Obama. I mean, of course, there's so many amazing people. Um, That would probably be uh, Dolly Parton would be a great one. Eminem Mm -hmm. would be a great one. I mean, I wish Elvis was alive. I would love to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, there's so many um, interesting people that, you know, it. What fascinates me, I think, is the human aspect of celebrity. It's very weird. You know, I've, um, not that I'm famous or anything, but, you know, I've been in situations where people have been like, uh, oh, you know, I, I I love your show. Can I get a picture with you or whatever? And I appreciate that. But it's also kind of weird. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. it's not like, and I don't mean towards them. I mean, I, yeah. I'm so thankful that they love the show, but it's weird when I do it to people I love, you know, it's weird. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, hello, person I've never met before. I like a thing that you did. Can I have a picture with you? You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. strange. Yeah. And so that's very fascinating to me on both sides of it. And to hear that, uh, you know, an Andrew Garfield, who uh, I talked with recently, he, you know, um, just, like just the kinds of things that he's into that's relaxing. And it's just like, well, we, I do that too. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, it's just a strange thing. This celebrity um, uh, obsessed culture that we live in. Mm, and of they course, have, they're normal. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, I, I say that having a show called pop culture weekly. Right. So I get like the, irony of me um thinking that but i'm just fascinated by that and i think i i always have been you know what does um eminem you know what like what does he do in his day off is he like you know hanging around in sweatpants like you know um mowing his lawn or like like what do you do you know it's just curious it's just interesting to me. <laughs> you you go and bake cookies and then later on eat mom's <laughs> spaghetti like what do you what? Exactly. Yeah, literally. Which yeah. is on my list now because my friends went to go to his restaurant, Mount Spaghetti, and said it was pretty dang good. So oh, yeah, they, yeah, that gives me a reason to go back home to Detroit. I'm like, noted. I will. Yeah, I will put absolutely. that on there. I will put That'll that be, on there. Just, I'll put that on my list too. Yeah, you gotta put that on there. Maybe we'll meet up with some Mount Spaghetti. There do, you go. And then we do a show out there. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's so cool to hear you talk about. Uh, you know, how your life has changed and he's transformed for the better and everything else that you give so much credit to your mom and how much she has meant to you. And you had uh, dealt with a, a terrible blow in your life of losing her. Um, talk about that in the perspective of, you know, she had, you know, she lost her life to pancreatic cancer. And then now you being a voice for pancreatic cancer, because let me tell you, I, I didn't, it also had affected in uh, my life with a really good friend of mine. It affected them. Their mother passed. And it was right around the time when you lost yours. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know nothing about this. I don't, you know, this disease, you know, I've heard, you know, a little bit about everything else. But you, I, I think that you now become a voice of it and become an advocate of it in honor of your mother. Of Talk about the, the um, the work that you're doing and, you know, getting the, the, the disease of the pancreatic cancer and people should know about it and getting the word and the message out there, the importance of getting them, uh, themselves checked and screened, uh, ahead of time. So, yeah, 
I, you know, the closest person to me in the world um, is my mom. And, uh, you know, her and I, especially because of the father, you know, situation, mm -hmm. um, her and I were always extremely close and she was my rock. Um, her and my mom, mom, who was her mom. And I, I lost uh, my two women, my two people, my two rocks. Um, my mom, mom passed in November uh, and then my mom passed in March. Um, this was of last year. And so um, it came quick in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, my mom was diagnosed uh, probably about a year and a half before that. And while she did have chemo and that sort of thing, um, you know, she was still, she, she uh, taught dance and she was still um, creating videos, you know, for her dance classes and she would drive herself, you know, here and there. And um, so there wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily a flash in my eyes of, of, of I'm going to lose her. Mm -hmm. And then very quickly, um, really right around when my mom passed, my mom went downhill from there. I mean, from, you know, from November to, to March. And uh, that is by far the hardest thing that I've ever had to do, um, that I've ever had to go through. Uh, she um, is such a huge influential part of my life that it just reverberates um, everywhere. And, uh, and so having, you know, gone through with Oprah's life class, with, uh, with learning the power of telling my story, I said, um, I need to do something about this. I need to tell this story. Mm -hmm. And so um, I am now finishing up a series uh, for iHeart um, uh, Podcast Network called Death, Grief, and Other Shit We Don't Discuss. Mm -hmm. And it is a 13-episode series, um, and it is a kind of a mixture of two formats where um, – each episode is on a different part of the journey. So the first episode is getting a diagnosis like that. The second episode is um, a terminal. You know, the third episode is near death, that sort of thing. All the way to, you know, moving uh, to finding meaning in mourning. And so the first half of each episode is my mom's story. And then the second half of each episode is a subject matter expert talking about that part of the cancer journey mm -hmm. so so in the first episode um you know i tell the story of my mom getting diagnosed how how just what a shock wave it, it brings to everybody and then i talk with a um, health psychologist who works in oncology with cancer patients about how do you handle that you know yeah. what do you do that sort of thing so that's kind of how it works and it has been a year working on this almost to the day. And um, and uh, I actually go up to New York tomorrow to iHeart um, headquarters to uh, discuss marketing and release dates and all that. But um, it is really, I knew it was going to be hard to do. Yeah. But holy crap, this was really, 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 really hard to do. Um, I'm glad that I'm doing it because I really, truly believe it's going to help a lot of people. I mm -hmm. really do. Um but wow, was this hard to do? And has I, you it know, been has it been helping you? Um, yes, yes. Uh, I'm learning so much about 
all kinds of things. You know, yeah. I did a, uh, we did a seance um, for one of the episodes and I went up to Lilydale, New York, which is a town in um, uh, like a hamlet in New York of mediums and spiritualists. And, you know, I got a reading up there relating to her and just, uh, you know, we've been doing all kinds of things for the show. Right. Um, and I've been talking to all kinds of people, you know, I talked to, um, to a, uh, a mortician and, you know, learning all about death and, and dying and grief. And, mm -hmm. um, and I am, I, I am learning a lot and it is helping me in many ways. It one, it helps keep me connected to her. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going through, uh, I, have this binder and one of the things that I have is there's like 1100 pages of text between my mom and I that I had printed out um and and also my best friend so I could I can look at my text with him and see minute by minute what was happening from the day she was diagnosed until today mm -hmm. and um I could see what I was thinking because I was telling him hey mom just got this news I can't believe blah 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 and um so it's like a, a journal of um of that entire period and um it also has made me collect um, you know, I sent all of my mom's voicemails to, to multiple emails and mm -hmm. that I, you know, voicemails that I had and, um, photos and videos. And, um, so in that it's made me feel, continue to feel close to her. I'm also learning how to, um, survive, learning how to survive each and every day. Yeah. The biggest thing that I've learned from this show is that it is, you will never get over you know, a love to somebody that you love that much. You'll mm -hmm. never going to get over it. Even healing, you don't really heal. You learn how to live with their absence. And that doesn't mean you can't have happiness again or anything like right. that. But, but in our society, we have a tendency to say, um, oh, you know, give it five years and you'll be, you know, or whatever. Or, oh, it just takes time. Well, mm -hmm. Well, no, five years later, you still love that person and miss yeah. them to death. Mm -hmm. But but hopefully by that point, you have found a way for you to get out of bed every day. Mm -hmm. And you have found a reason and purpose to continue. And that doesn't lessen your love for them. And it doesn't lessen um, your connection with them. It doesn't mean you're over it or you yeah. are, uh, you know, healed or whatever, it means that you have found a way to survive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that's probably been the biggest lesson that I'm have learned doing this show. And I like that you're taking your platform with that in your mother's memory, and have pretty much myself, I can speak for myself, have educated, um, people that have, you know, seen the events that you've you hosted or um, things that you have done, fundraisers that you have done about pancreatic cancer and purple. Now is purple, was purple her favorite color? Is that why the connection with it? Because so purple is my favorite color. So I just thought that was pretty cool. It is an amazing color. Um, purple is representative of pancreatic cancer. Okay. And so, so, it, so it became representative for us Mm -hmm. um, as we were going through her journey. So, you know, uh, that became a big color for us ultimately because of it being representative of pancreatic cancer. Okay. And, uh, and to answer your other question, sorry, I went, um, 
off track a little, but uh, to answer your other question regarding pancreatic cancer itself, when my mom passed, I wrote a list of 10 things that I wanted to do in 30 days and a list of 10 things that I wanted to do in one year, all relating to her. So one of them was to plant a garden with her favorite flowers. Then another one was to set up a foundation in her name where 100% of the proceeds went to pancreatic cancer research and all of these things. So um, uh, one of the big ones for me has been starting this foundation and and we all of the money goes directly to PanCan, which is the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Um, and they do an incredible job. They were so unbelievably amazing for me and my mom and my family from the day she was diagnosed and I called them until mm -hmm. after she passed. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, and I mean that they were there all every step of the way. And, uh, and they were very big on getting, you know, um, my mom's tumor tested genetically, which is something they don't always do. So they were big on make sure they do it. Here's yeah. how they can code it, all of that, um, which helps with better treatment outcomes. And, um, and, you know, one good thing that has happened in the pancreatic cancer world is that when my mom was diagnosed, it was 9% survival rate of five years. So if you get diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, there is a 9% chance that you will survive five years. Uh, by the end, when my mom passed, which was, again, about two years later, um, it had jumped up to 11%, which is a big number in a couple of years. Right. And a big part of that is awareness that this is a, uh, you know, uh, I believe it is the deadliest cancer Um and it is growing in the amount of people that are being diagnosed with it. So a big part of that jump is awareness of, of what it is, how to get screened, that sort of thing. Um, and funding, you know, the government had severely underfunded pancreatic cancer. Um, and it's kind of a self-fulfilling circle in that thing. Nobody ever hears of it, doesn't get money, you know. Um, and then we lost Aretha Franklin and Alex Trebek. Yeah. And, you know, and the list goes on and on and Patrick Swayze. And um, so that all kind of carries the momentum of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So then it rallies people like me to hopefully say to my friends or my circle, hey, just fill this out and it'll automatically send you a letter to your senator as they are working on the budget for next year. And this, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's all filled out with, let's put in a little extra money for pancreatic cancer uh, research, you know, this next year or whatever. And so it's a, it's a movement of all of these kinds of wheels or, or cogs working together in this yeah. wheel or whatever the, you know, saying is um, to, to make that happen. And so um so that's extremely important to me because I don't want anybody to have to go through what I went through, what my mom went through. Mm -hmm. I mean, my mom, you know, she just did not in, in three months, she went from being this long, you know, beautiful black haired, we would call her snow white. She had like pure white skin and black hair. And, um, and then in three months, I mean, she just didn't look like her mm -hmm. and I don't want, anybody to have to go through that and so the way to do that is to remind people you know get checked there is no um specific test which is why it's often never caught until it's in advanced stage um but you can get uh, uh colonoscopies and that sort of thing will all they can all when you're getting that sort of thing done you can ask the doctor for that right. and 
Um, so. I love, like I said, that you just, I feel you continue to carry on her legacy uh, through everything that you do, you know, the platform that you have and the posts that you put up and the things that she loved. And, um, you know, that makes me smile from time to time that, you know, a, a, a son's bond with their mother is, is just, it's a beautiful thing to see. And I look around in, you know, it is, as well as you, we see so much going on right now. Uh, a lot of uncertainty and um, a lot of unfortunate things that are happening around the world. We have went through almost a half a year, Kyle. And from time to time when I wake up and I was like, okay, Marisa, what is, what is your hope for, for 2022? We got a half a year down and a half a year to go with all of this going on. And yeah, you know, I will journal it. I'll write it down of, you know, what my hope is. I, mean, I ask you the same question. What, what is your hope for 2022? What do the eyes of Kyle McMahon do you see through all the chaos, you know, pulling back the, the curtain of chaos and all of the stuff that's going on, that little glimmer of hope, what, what, what is yours for this year? For me, um, you know, my hope is that, you know, I've, I've literally put everything that I have into this series that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And if it can help, you know, we have so much loss. I mean, we, you know, over a million people have died in the United States from COVID alone mm -hmm. um, in, you know, the last, what, two years. Yeah. Um, and the gun violence and, you know, everything. People are grieving, you know, and I've put everything literally into the show emotionally. Um, and my hope personally is that this show can help somebody else's grief journey be mm -hmm. a little bit less. You know, um, I joked with iHeart when, as we were talking about this, and I was like, I'm going to the best experts in the country on grief and death, and and uh, and you guys are going to pay for it. And um, and I joked, but it's also quite serious yeah. that, um, I, you know, because of the show, somebody that might not have the resources to go see a, a specific grief therapist, therapist that, you know, specifically deals with grief, mm -hmm. um, they'll be able to listen to a conversation with them on steps, actionable steps that they can take that just might help make their journey a little bit less horrible, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that is my hope for 2022 personally, mm -hmm. um, that I want death, grief, and other shit we don't discuss to help somebody else, mm -hmm. anybody else on their grief journey. Then this last year of working on it and all the tears, I mean, crying here in my studio sometimes, you know, doing the vocals and stuff, um, just missing my mom and, and replaying those events. And um, it makes it all worth it if that can help their journey be a little bit less horrible. And I know, well, and I know what you're doing through everything that you're doing is, is remarkable. Uh, and mm -hmm. I applaud you and I appreciate you, my friend, of everything that you've done stemming back from when you're a young man and still a young man uh, 
in that life class and when it aired in May of 2013 and the impact that you've made since, Kyle. Uh, thank you so much for what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're helping people, how you continue to help people. Um, I, I know that you've done so much, but I just wanted to take this moment to say thanks to you uh, as a person. I'm not going to tear up on this microphone because, whoo, I, I was like, maybe I should bring some clinics with me. No, I'm not. <laughs> uh, well, I got my sleeve, but you have helped me as a person on the, on this journey of now, you know, doing my podcast almost two years of, you know, some of the things that you'll post up or, you know, I'll go on your website and check out uh, past episodes that you've had, you know, one with Deepak Chopra. And again, we talked about Eric, um, Mike Posner. Um, and, you know, going back to, you know, your episode on the, the masterclass, how you have literally at a time where I think that I am fine and that I, you know, I'm good. I don't need all that. Mm. That 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 hurt needed to come out. And many pillows have been punched, and many tears have been shed. Mm. And many times I have walked inside of a closet and screamed, and it came back out. And my husband's like, "Going, oh, you good?" I'm like, "Oh, now I am." <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for what you have done on, you know, using your voice, being an advocate. Um, being a writer, being a, a person that, you know, is not afraid to go there and to talk about it and have those conversations because they are needed. Uh, and I want people to follow you. I want people to connect with you. So how can they connect with you on your socials and on your show? On uh, Instagram and Twitter, I'm at KMac Music. Uh, Facebook, I'm at Real Kyle McMahon. And uh, my show, Pop Culture Weekly, you can get wherever you get podcasts. Uh, um, iHeart Radio app, of course, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. Just just type it in, and uh, and I'm there. People, download the app. Follow Kyle McMahon. He is absolutely amazing, an incredible person, an amazing human being. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the Heard That Podcast. Marisa, thank you so much for having me and I appreciate you and what you do. And thank you so much everybody for listening and for watching. And as I always end the show, be good to one another, take care, stay safe. We are out of here. Be in the know of new episodes that are coming up on the podcast at heardthatwithmarisa.com. I'm also available on Instagram at Marisa Tigney Podcast on Twitter at Lovely Marisa T, as well as Facebook on a social media page. Heard that with Marisa Tigney. I appreciate your continued support.